I knew this guy. Sermon's starting now. <laughs> I knew this guy that had a ministry. And he did great things. He served the city. He did things like that. You would even think that outwardly that he did everything that he could, he could do to honor God. Uh, except for when, over time, he became, became very prideful and very arrogant. He's not someone that you could correct. Outwardly, he did everything right. You'd go to try to correct him and he would get arrogant and prideful and say things like, you can't correct me, I know what I'm doing. So over time, the pride continued to grow and overtook his heart. And he lost his ministry. And not only did he lose his ministry, he lost his family. Because over time, those things creep in. And if you are doing things by your own power, things will fall apart. You could say, even, that his heart had not been circumcised for the Lord. And now you might be thinking that's a pretty weird way to phrase it, heart uncircumcised for the Lord. Genuinely, genuinely speaking, it would be pretty weird. But since we go through the Bible, scripture by scripture, this is where we're landing today. <laughs> Romans 2, 25 through 29. For circumcision is indeed profitable if you keep the law. But if you are a breaker of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. Therefore, if an uncircumcised man keeps the righteous requirements of the law, will not his uncircumcision be counted as circumcision? And will not the physical uncircumcised, if he fulfills the law, judge you, who even with your written code and circumcisions are a transgressor of the law? For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. So what circumcision is, is... No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to tell you guys what circumcision is. <laughs> if you don't know, ask your parents. And for the parents, if you don't know, call your parents and be like, why didn't you talk to me about these things? <laughs> tell them, I was in a sermon... He said it. I had no idea what he's talking about, and it was really embarrassing because I was the only one that didn't know. <laughs> Fifteen years ago, when I started in ministry, I never once thought that one day I would have to prepare a message that lasts about 25 minutes or so about circumcision. <laughs> but here we are. They don't teach you this stuff. <laughs> they don't. So if you ever have hopes and dreams of being in ministry, remember this. <laughs> In the last month, I've learned more about circumcision than I ever thought I would. And now you guys get to hear it also. So circumcision is mentioned about a hundred times between the Old Testament and the New Testament. This discussion about circumcision happens a few times in the New Testament. In fact, it's really weird how things work out. Pastor Jay asked me to speak in October, and guess what? It's almost the exact same thing, just worded differently. So you'll get to hear it again in a different way. I could just have my wife free preach my sermon. You guys will probably be like, that's the best thing I ever heard. I've never heard that before. <laughs> Often when we hear about circumcision, we just think it's a medical practice. Because to us, that's what it is. But to God and the Jewish pe people, it was much more than that. 
circumcision was a direct covenant between God and his people. And people don't realize it, at least I don't, or probably even think about it, that this covenant was the beginning of God's chosen people. This covenant created a whole lineage that was set apart by God and for him through Abraham. As long as they upheld the covenant God gave to Abraham, they would be set apart for him. Now we're going to look in Genesis to see the start of the covenant. And this is a lot of scripture. So it's probably going to feel like I'm reading for a long time. Just pay attention because it's important. Genesis 17, 1 through 22. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram, or when Abram, sorry, his name didn't change until a couple more scriptures. The Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you. And you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you. And kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants. After you and their generations for an everlasting covenant to to be God to you. And your descendants after you. Also, I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan, as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said to Abraham, As for you, see what I'm saying? It's like I'm running out of breath trying to read this. As for you, you shall keep my covenant and your descendants after. You throughout their generations, this is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised and you shall and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin. And it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male child in your generations, he who is born in your house or bought with money from any foreigner who is not your descendant, he who is born in your house and he who is bought for money must be circumcised and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant and the uncircumcised male child who is not, circum- un- who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that person shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Then God said to Abraham, as for Sarah, your wife, You shall not call her name Sarah anymore. I think that's how you say it. But Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her. And she shall be the mother of of nations. Kings of peoples shall be from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? And shall Sarah, who is 99 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Then God said, No, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him, 
and will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. He shall be beget 12 princes and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac for whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. Then he finished talking with God and went up and God went up from Abraham. I can only imagine being Abraham and I'm a hundred years old and God's like, so this is what I want you to do. Sounds painful. And then you have to tell your wife about it. Like, so this is what God wants me to do. I'd imagine that she would probably just be like, well, I mean, I guess it's you and not me. (laughs) I prefer somebody else. See, the reason this argument is so important to the Jews is because all they knew was that to be set apart, you needed this circumcision. Abraham and Sarah were past the age of having children. But God, through his covenant, allowed it. But not just Abraham, his whole family had to follow this covenant. Everyone in Abraham's household, everyone that was purchased from somewhere else, every slave, everyone free, every, everybody in the whole house had to be circumcised, even if they were from another country, different region. That's why the Jewish people were so persistent in having Gentiles uphold this covenant. Also understanding historical context of circumcision helps us to understand how important this was to Jewish people. Now, God, we know this throughout the Bible because these things happened afterwards, but God had made other covenants throughout the Bible. Can some of you guys name some? No, you can't. I knew it. Read your Bible. It's important. The rainbow. So God wouldn't pour out his wrath like that anymore. Baptism. An outward confession of an inward faith. The Lord's Supper. All of those make sense. Why circumcision? To me, it just sounds painful and unnecessary. But God knows what he's doing. This covenant was significant. Abraham spent time in Egypt and his offspring were also going to spend time in Egypt. Because if you get a little bit farther, you know, they, they have to be slaves in Egypt. Historians and archaeologists have both found that circumcision was actually practiced well before Abraham. Did you know that? There are times in the Bible where God will take something that a culture is doing and he will make it his own to show that he's the one true God. For instance, the plagues that God used in Egypt. You know that every single one of those plagues he brought was in direct correlation to a God that they served to show that he was more powerful than each one of their gods, even to the God of death. He proved that he was the God over all. And people saw it and they knew it. It was the same with circumcision. It was practiced by the Egyptians. It was a right reserved and obligatory for the king and the people who served in his court. It was viewed as an initiation sign for those people that were devoted to the service of their God. It created a special, the special relationship the special relationship between Abraham and, and God, the Egyptians were already familiar with this circumcision. God used it to prove that. Circumcision became an outward confession of an inward devotion to God. When God told Abraham to be circumcision, circumcised, he was well past the age of having children. And Sarah was incapable. You guys realize she wasn't supposed to be able to have kids. Yeah. 
God's intervention and his covenant led to the miraculous birth of Isaac. Who through him, the bloodline was created for God's chosen people. And everyone in Abraham's household witnessed this. The Israelites knew that because of this covenant that their entire race began. They had a constant reminder. Every time an Israelite woman lay with her husband, she would be reminded of this covenant. On the eighth day, every time a boy was circumcised, both the father and mother would reflect on God's promise to his people. This is why the Jews were so rooted in this argument to the Gentiles. You must do this to be set apart for God. This is another reason why biblical and historical context are so important when you're going through your Bible. Don't just read it, study it. And I've said it before, it's not words on a page, but once you start to understand biblical context, biblical history, like these words jump off the page at you. It's a completely different than just taking it at face value. After this, Jesus came and he died. So we were able to have a relationship with God. So it doesn't matter so much anymore about the outside, but what is in someone's heart. And that's what this scripture is saying. Now that you've gotten the backstory, I'll get into this sermon. <laughs> Romans 2, 25 through 29. For circumcision is indeed profitable if you keep the law. But if you are a breaker of the law, your, uncircum- your circumcision has become uncircumcision. Therefore, if an uncircumcised man keeps the righteous requirements of the law, will not his uncircumcision be counted as circumcision? And will not the physical uncircumcised, if he fulfills the law, judge you? who even with your written code and circumcision are a transgressor transgressor of the law for he is not a Jew who is one outwardly nor a circumcised that which is outward in the flesh but he is a Jew who is one inwardly and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit not in the letter whose praise is not from men but from God Paul is saying that the only way that circumcision is profitable is if you are able to keep the whole law. By show of hands, how many people can keep the whole law? No, I can't. One part of the law? Maybe. Maybe over time. But he's saying, if you stumble in any area of the law, which everyone has, then circumcision means nothing. We are not able to hold perfect to any part of the law, let alone the whole law. Although through Jesus we have been made righteous. There is no point for grown men, the Gentiles, to hold to this covenant. If they are in a right standing with God, if they've accepted Jesus Christ. Because he is looking inward, not on the outward. This scripture at its most basic is faith-based salvation versus works-based salvation. Faith-based salvation says that Jesus did everything that he needed to do on the cross. There is nothing more that you can do to be in right standing with God. Because everything Jesus did made us right with the Lord. Because of what he did and through his sacrifice, it has made us righteous. We are now in right standing with God when you accept the salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. We can't even earn a little bit of our salvation by works. I know it's hard for some people to believe, though. 
Our salvation begins and ends with Jesus Christ. Our own merit will never get us there. Now, works-based salvation says that we can earn our salvation by the good works that we do for the Lord. And the reason why some people believe this is because it just seems right in the eyes of man. It does. It's one of our most basic desires as people to be able to control our own lives, our own future, and the things in our lives. That even means all the way up to our eternal future. We think that somehow we're powerful enough to have some kind of any control over anything in our own lives. And we do not. It just seems right in the eyes of men. Work-based salvation appeals to people's pride and their desire to be in control. Who likes to be in control of their own life? I like to try, but I like give everything to the Lord. And then sometimes it just doesn't work out. I wanted my wife to preach this sermon and it didn't happen. I'm the one doing it. I said, I think it'd be weird for me to get up there and preach. I said, just tell a story about Jarrett. It'll be fine. See, some people would rather believe that you can be saved by works instead of faith alone. And the reason they believe that, even in the world, even outwardly in the world, they believe that they can do enough good to outweigh their bad. But that can't be done. When people think like that, it's because they can't understand how holy God is. They can't fathom it. Even for me, it's hard to fathom. Like, wait, there's nothing I can do that can be counted as righteousness toward God by my own works at all? No, because if you've stumbled at all, you've stumbled. There is no sin in him. And it's hard for people to want to see themselves as anything else other than a good person. And I understand myself. There's been times in my own life where I've been like, I can't be that terrible, but I know I am. I'm pretty terrible. I try not to be anymore, and God gives me grace. But the Bible tells us our hearts are deceitful above all things. So if you think you can convince yourself that you're actually good, you're not. Then you're saying God's a liar. God is holy and we are not. No matter how hard we work. It's very appealing to a person's sinful nature to try to work towards salvation. Because it puts them in a place where they think that they have some say in the outcome of their life. This is actually a predominantly held viewpoint by many other religions. If you think through all these other religions, Mormonism, uh, what's the other one? Jehovah's Witness. It's all works and faith. All works and faith. Biblical Christianity is the only religion that says faith in Jesus is the only way to obtain a right standing. We cannot work for our salvation. If you are living biblical Christianity, you cannot work for your salvation. Everything was done that needed to be on the cross. I had a friend back in the day who was very compassionate, very generous to people. I myself was not so compassionate all the time. He always wanted to help people. He wanted to work for people. He was very generous. I remember we'd be sitting outside on our front. We lived in an apartment and we'd be sitting outside on our front porch or front stairs. And if he saw a U-Haul pull into the apartment complex, he was like, we're going to help that guy. I was like, I'm not, you are, you you can go help that guy. 
<laughs> I am not doing that. I mean, I'd help people that I liked and knew, but I'm not going to go help some random, but he would. And see, he believed that there was a God. And myself, I had some faith in God. But in that circumstance, which one of us was saved? Really, it's a trick question. You would really need a lot more info than that. What I wanted to do is draw a parallel. Neither of us were saved. See, he believed that there was a God, but never submitted to him. And if my friend had actually confessed Christ and given himself to him, he would have grown in faith. And that faith would have saved him. And he already had the works. But his works were not going to save him. He was still he was still away from Jesus. I had some faith in God. I claimed to be a Christian. I claimed to love the Lord. But my life never changed. I never loved the Lord. It's easy to say with your mouth. It's a lot different when your lifestyle changes. True faith in Jesus Christ is going to change your life. Even though I believed God and claimed him, I wasn't. Now the weird parallel is, like I said, if he had given his life to the Lord, he would have been saved through faith, would have already had works. And in my case, if I had given my life to the Lord, it would have reflected in my life and then my works. It balances each other out. We could have both had a relationship with Jesus Christ, but only by faith would we have been able to be made righteous. Faith in Jesus Christ. James 2.14 through 26. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace and be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, it, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. What do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you not do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works faith was made faith was made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled which says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not only faith. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Faith and works are not mutually exclusive. That means both of these things should be happening simultaneously. Simultaneously means at the same time for people that don't know what that means. Giving your life to the Lord will change your heart. If you don't think it does, then you're lying to yourself. Everything about you should change. 
when you have that deep relationship with God, that intimate relationship, there is no, you can't not change. Most of the people in the Bible that had a close relationship with Jesus, their life transformed. I said most because Judas. I had to ruin it. But you look at people like Paul and Peter and John and Luke and Matthew. And I could keep going and going, but all of these men had a complete change in life after they met Christ. They didn't continue living the same way. They gave up their life, the comforts of their life, and they were changed forever. And a true relationship with God is going to change you. Your works will follow your faith. Now, that being said, God still saves by faith alone. I know it's really hard to comprehend. You guys are just probably like, what is he going back and forth? He makes us righteous through Jesus and nothing else. He is looking for faithfulness in our hearts. That's when it's talking about circumcision of the heart. You are supposed to be completely faithful to God and nothing else. Romans 2.29 But he is a Jew who was one inwardly. I didn't want to read the whole thing again, so just this part. And, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. See, if we focus on the letter of the law, it can be up for debate. We can, in our own minds, try to figure a way around it. Did you know that? No? I'll show you an example in the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20:14. It says, "You shall not commit adultery." Now back then, when they only had this part of the law, they could take this, still lust after somebody, still have those evil thoughts towards other people. But since they hadn't committed the crime, they weren't sinning. Because they're following the letter of the law. I haven't acted out on this thought that's in my head, so I'm fine. When Jesus came, it changed because he knows how a man's heart works. Matthew 5, 27 and 28. You have heard it, it, that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. It works the same with do not murder. And then they would hate people, but you're not technically murdering them, so you're good because you're following the letter of the law. You're just, but your heart's evil. Not your heart, these guys back here. Maybe some of you, I don't know. But then he said, if you hate your brother, it makes you a murderer. Jesus knows our hearts. We need to follow the spirit of the law and not the letter of the law. See, the Gentiles could have easily, well, painfully, circumcised themselves and still not been in right standing with God. They could have listened to these Jews, not had a relationship with God, and then they're just sitting there standing in pain. God wanted their faithfulness. He didn't want their works. Their works will follow their faithfulness. You know how kids always try to find workarounds? They're probably the best at following the letter of the law, but not the spirit of the law. 
When I was a kid, I was probably about nine years old. And I lived in Alaska. Maybe I was 10. We just recently moved to Alaska. And uh, we lived in a condo and we we're on the second floor. And my dad had to take my mom to work. And he was only going to be gone for like 20 minutes. He said, do not go outside and play with your friends. Do the dishes too. And I was like, okay. I won't go outside and play with my friends. So I went outside on the back balcony. And I did. My friends were down below. right? And we're on the second story. I mean, it was a high second story. And they're like, do you think you could jump? I was like, yeah, I could probably do that. <laughs> now, there's a little bit of snow on the ground. So I was like, but I can't hang out. I can just jump one time. I got to go back inside because my dad sees me. Might get in trouble. He said I couldn't come out and hang out with you guys. He probably said play. I couldn't play. I was like nine or ten, and back then we said play. So I don't think it's weird. So I get up on the ledge, and I jump. And I landed on my ankle sideways. And it hurt so bad. I started crying. And I was like, I hurt my ankle. And the reason I said it that way is because I had a speech impediment, so I couldn't say my R's. <laughs> so I sound like W's. And so I'm sitting there crying. All of my friends ran because they thought they were getting in trouble. So now I'm down there by myself in pain, crawling around the apartment or the, the condo to get to the stairs. By the time I got to the stairs, my brother ran down and grabbed me and helped me get back up in the stairs. I went and laid on the couch. My brother grabbed me some ice and put it on my ankle, and we were trying not to let my dad know. And he comes, and he comes inside, and he's like, the dishes weren't done. And I was like, oh, I'll get up and do them. I'll get up and do them. And I go to stand up, and I can't stand up. I fall down. He was like, what's wrong with you? I was like, oh, nothing, nothing, nothing. I was like, what's wrong with you? I was like, oh, jumped off the balcony. <laughs> he picked me up. Took me to the emergency room, had to carry me because I couldn't walk. Ended up being in a cast or in one of you know those open toe cast brace things for like five weeks in the winter. So I could only wear one sock. My feet were freezing. And then I got grounded. <laughs> and I was like, why am I grounded? I didn't go play with my friends. I jumped off the balcony. <laughs> the real reason is because I knew what my dad meant. See, I followed the letter of the law, but not the spirit. I knew he meant do not go outside, do not talk to your friends, do not do any of these things. And I did them anyway. Because I was a deceitful little kid with a dirty heart. Some adults are like that still. We can always try to find a workaround when you're going by the letter of the law. The spirit of the law is more about honoring God by our faithfulness to him. We should want to please and honor God. It shouldn't be a chore. It shouldn't be, if I do this, 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 then I'm good here. It should be your whole life, your whole heart, everything that you have, honoring God every moment that you get. You see, the letter of the law points towards works. And we need to be people that believe, believe in biblical Christianity. Do not try to find a workaround for what God has asked you to do. Be faithful to Christ and believe in him and honor God. You bow your heads. Lord, thank you for this time that we could come together. Father, I pray that you continue to do a work in us. Lord, I pray that you continue to change our lives. Help us to leave here changed. Help us to honor you. Help us to constantly remember to be faithful to you, Lord. Whenever we're weak, whenever we're strong, a constant reminder. 
We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, that's it. For you. Hey, we want to thank you so much for being online with us today. I want to remind you, if you're not a follower on Facebook, please like our page on YouTube. Please subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Tell all your friends. Continue to watch online. We thank you for watching. We love you so much. Have a great day.